Hello, this is Eden on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. Welcome back to my show, Garden of Eden. It's Garden of Eden and I'm your host. I talk about what I like most. Garden of Eden! <laughs> okay, today I'm joined with Kelly. Hi. Kelly, you should be considered a co-host of this show, I swear. Because I bring you into so many episodes. I just enjoy discussing things with you, especially pressing issues. And that's what we'll talk about in a minute. But first off, Kelly, how are you? I'm doing so well right now. Thank you, Eden, for having me here today. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk with you as well. I love debating with you about things. I feel like we all both bring out the opinionated side of each other. So yes, it's doing great. How are you? You know, I'm all right. I mean... I think time has been really weird lately. I talked about this in my last Garden of Eden episode, talked about being a senior. Check that out if you haven't already. It's on Spotify. Um, But I feel like today went by really slow and every day has been going by really fast. So it was kind of odd. Huh. Is that slow. good or bad? I would say it's good because all right. I, I don't know. I don't like in quarantine how time passes really fast. But anyway. Uh, days have been blending. Okay. It's been a good day and I'm excited to be talking with you. And also... I really hope that we get to make gingerbread houses this weekend. I know that that's unrelated, but <laughs> I know. No, I want to go all out. I am making my own gingerbread. I'm like doing the thing where you like you score it yourself and then you break it. I want to make a gingerbread towel tower from scratch. <laughs> from Can't. scratch, I will be the Great British Baking Show. What they always wanted to be. Oh my gosh, the great. Speaking of, sorry, I'm getting a little off track, but that's okay. The Great British Baking <laughs> Show. I. It's one of those things that I had heard people talking about, but I you never really it. like, yes. You started it. Okay. Well, okay. So I didn't start it, like start it, start it, but it's like whenever I'm stressed or just need a moment where I'm like, I deserve to indulge right now. I just sit back and watch the Great British Baking Show. That is exactly what it is for. Uh, you have no idea how many nights I've been up late studying like in homework and like stressed out of my mind. It's just they're making bread in the background. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's a perfect crust. That's beautiful. Oh, oh my. And, and I just, I love the things they get stressed about. It's like their pastry didn't rise properly. And you're like, I, I want to share your stress because it's like refreshing stress, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're always so pleasant and their little British accents and oh my they're gosh. so cute with each other and they always bring in the best people and some of the dishes are all British and gross and you're like, ew, why did you even make that? Why is, <laughs> why is that even a thing? And it's like this gross plum concoction and oh. And oh, do you so know funny. like the, the skits that they do in between scenes where they try to yes. make jokes that like aren't funny, but it's funny <laughs> because they're British. So you're like, oh, so cute. But if it was American, it would like be cringy. <laughs> they're, oh. God, it, because they're terrible, it makes them even better. And the hosts are so earnest when they're trying to be funny, but they're so lame. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so glad. Now I can talk to you about it. And Annika, God, yes, you should join the yes. Facebook group I'm part of. We talk about recipes and stuff. And like we um, oh, no. share Wait, our Kelly, the episodes. <laughs> you've never told me about this. You're in a great British baking show Facebook group. I'm in two. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, I'm, I need to know more about this, Kelly. Yeah, me too. There's like all this drama that goes down. Apparently some people are just really bad bakers and then they get like bullied out of the group. <laughs> How did you discover this? Annika showed me. There's like a ton of them. Annika. And they, like, 
<laughs> they post with the, like each episode. It's beautiful. It's really what a community online. The internet is a marvelous thing. Wow, the internet is a marvelous thing indeed. It's like a cult, the Great British <laughs> Baking Show cult. Oh, they're very zealous about the experience. It's it's a religion. <laughs> okay, we should probably get back on track, but I think that it that was a tangent that was worth it. Absolutely. Always worth it to talk about the Great British Baking Show. So, wow, I don't even know how to transition into what we're talking about because it's so unrelated to what we just <laughs> ranted about. But we are talking about the coronavirus vaccine. And then more specifically, who will get the vaccine first? And I, I want to give a little bit of background as to why I even wanted to talk about this. So as many of you may know, the coronavirus vaccine is very prevalent. It's in current news because it's starting to be distributed. Actually, I think a, a few days ago, the coronavirus vaccine was approved in the UK and it's gonna be distributed starting early next week. And that's kind of huge because the vaccine that they are distributing in the UK is the same one that will be distributed in the US. There's a, a lot to it. it. It is a very nuanced topic that gets very interesting. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. I don't know, where should we start? Uh, let's start simple if we can, then we can build up. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna start with some basics about the vaccine and I'm, I'm not a scientist, so <laughs> I might not explain this very well, but the vaccine needs to be administered twice. Some shots are like that. So if 20 million doses are being distributed in the U.S., 10 million people will get it because each person needs two doses for it to be in full effect. Though it's said that you have some immunity with one dose, but you need both. And so that's something to refer to later when we're talking about who gets the vaccine and how we're going to give everybody the vaccine. Because homeless people, for example, how are you going to administer one vaccine and then follow up with that same person a second time, like a certain amount of days later? So that's an issue in itself. And then there's the most pressing issue of all, which is who it gets distributed to. And I'll say it's not whether or not everybody's going to get it. Because it's said that by like June, July, at the end of this year, it will be readily available. Like any shot, any vaccine that you get, like a flu shot, you go to Walgreens and you can get a flu shot. It will be available like that. But it's that once it's out, everybody's going to want it. Everybody's going to want it as soon as they can. And I think that's what we should spend most of our time talking about. All right initial reaction and let's see if my opinion changes by the end of this talk because it very well might is that the vaccine should be distributed in a way that preserves the most life regardless of who those lives may be that's my opinion so like whoever is at most risk from dying of it should get it first and that goes beyond just like at-risk groups and then it goes down with age and then also I'll always like pre-existing conditions those people should get it first and wherever the infection rate is highest Okay, you know, I think that that's a really logical way of looking at, ethical way of looking at it. Well, I guess you could debate the ethics because what you're, so what you're saying is these people who are most at risk of dying, starting with like frontline workers, people who are exposed to COVID a lot, elderly people, people who are immunocompromised, but then you go down to, this is the, the most controversial part is you have these cities where infection rates are raging and right. people aren't following COVID guidelines and regulations at all in some places, at all. 
And so then the debate is, should these people be getting the vaccine when they have been disregarding everything that people have been telling them over the people who have been diligently following these regulations for months and they're going to get it way after everybody else? I just, I thought about it and I don't think that you can punish people for not following the government's guidelines. I don't think that's fair. I mean, or it feels vindictive, yeah. feels kind of like, yeah, yeah, sucks to suck. You didn't follow the regulations. So you don't get a, you don't get the vaccine now, but you can't do that. I don't yeah, think you can't, you can't, you can't just be like petty and spiteful in government policy, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, infection rate is highest. I think that's where the vaccines should go, regardless of how well they've social distanced. You the, can't hold grudges like that. This is see, see, like the vengeful side of me, the side that's <laughs> like, we can get back at them. I social distance hardcore for two full of months and they didn't do anything. That side of me is like, give it to the cities with no COVID first, give it to the people <laughs> who have been wearing the masks. Because but then you like, think about it like, really. We can't really. No, because the cities that have social distanced the least and have have the highest counts and cases are now going to get the vaccines first, and then we'll be able to go to back to normal the fastest, which is just feels like such a punch to the gut. Uh, on all of this, it it just, doesn't it? It feels I, so fr- and and then they'll they'll go on with their lives being like, see. I didn't follow any of that and I didn't die of COVID. I'm past it now. And I'll be like, right. <laughs> oh, there's going to be so much of that. Oh, like for a year from now, they're like, see, you guys were the crazy ones. It doesn't exist after all. And oh, oh, just thinking about it makes me angry. <laughs> but we can't, we can't hold those people's lives hostage and hold a grudge against people's lives. But it feels so right. <laughs> it, it does. And the other thing is the administration which decides who gets the vaccine first. Like, will Trump be president when the vaccine's being distributed or will Biden be the president or will it be split between the two? And would they make different decisions as to who gets it first? I don't know. Right, that's, we're getting pretty close there. Cause like, what, in the next few days, few weeks, the vaccine's gonna be started like distributing here, right? Yeah. When is the inauguration date? How soon is that now? Uh, Inauguration is on January 20th. So that's, it's, but the, the thing is, we're talking about the virus being distributed, but there will, there will be different rounds of the vaccine. So right. the first one is, is going to go out to obviously like healthcare workers, frontline workers. Right. And then the next wave will come out and the next one and the next one. And so it could be split. Do you think that'll affect the efficiency of which, which it's like rolled out? Do you think maybe like the different administrations and like the transition of power, do you think that'll slow things down? You know, it's hard to say. I wish I, I knew more about, about this process and the administrative process because I think that the, I don't know if it would be like the CDC or the FDA, these separate government entities, I think that they have a lot of say in the way that it's done, especially in a case like a pandemic right. where a lot of those decisions are separated from the president and from like political party. I would think that it would be made by like professionals, like scientists. Shoot, who did Trump appoint, though, as, like, the head of, like, the emergency task force? Some guy was just incompetent. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to generalize, but he really was. (laughs) Oh, whatever. But I don't think it's completely separate from the administration. Like, I think it's tied together. I think it's not entirely independent, which is worrisome. 
Yeah. It's also, you know, that no matter what decision gets made, not everyone will be happy. Absolutely not. They never are. I mean, yeah, every decision you make, but I think that this in specific, it seems to me like one of those things that would be in a movie. Wait, what's that movie about the pandemic that happens? Contagion. Contagion. Yes, that's I watched it. one of the best ones. Oh God. Fun movie. I think of like contagion when the vaccine becomes available and everybody's like smashing windows trying to get it. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's not gonna be like that. Girl. I wonder how many yeah. more watches that movie got since the pandemic. People, I mean, it was a fine movie. <laughs> I wasn't rushing to, to see it before, but it's become pretty relevant now. I watched it and I was like, okay, this is what's gonna happen. I have to accept my fate. I'm gonna die. That's <laughs> But that's what I envision when yeah. the vaccine becomes available. Another interesting thing. So I've been talking to my parents a lot about this, which is another reason why I wanted to talk about it today. And I was like, oh, well, is there a socioeconomic debate like people who can afford it? But it turns out that it's gonna be free to have. Wow. And I think that's awesome. But there still is a little bit of a socioeconomic issue with like, I have a regular doctor's office that I go to. And then there's these healthcare clinics that are probably less equipped to handle administering a ton of vaccines to that many people and having the the proper equipment. Like it needs to be stored in really, really, really cold temperatures. And some places might have have more access to like the the fridges. Is it called fridges? I don't know. Refrigerators that you need. I don't know. Medical or medical fridges. Yeah. Freezers. There you go. Nice, Kelly. Oh, that's embarrassing. Um, and then also if you need to go to an appointment to get it and you work all the time and don't have the, and don't have the, the transportation to get there. Those are all things too. Right. Of course. And I'm guessing the in rural communities, the rate of coronavirus is lower. Am I being crazy? Like, since there's just less people in those communities, there's less, like, interaction? Or am I just making things up? Yeah, I mean, here's what I, one of the things I, I considered, I was like, okay, if during this pandemic I lived in the middle of nowhere in eastern Washington, I would just get to live <laughs> my life normally like there was no COVID. But I don't quite think it's, ex- I think that it's possible in a lot of areas it's like that, but I think it would have to be a very small, very isolated population. Right, right. That makes sense, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I mean, things are significantly worse in King County specifically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, King County makes really bad. Yeah. I do wonder, this is, could just be my ignorance, but why is it so high in King County? Is it just because people aren't following the guidelines? I think we have the most big cities, like we got Seattle and like Bellevue, right? Uh, I yeah. think there's just more contact between people is my guess. Because I, I looked up which counties are doing the best at social distancing and King County wasn't the worst. Like we weren't great. We had like a D minus or something like that. <laughs> yeah. just, but like there was like the F's all around the country, all around the state, I mean, in different counties. And they didn't yeah. have like higher infection rates. They just were doing a worse job but with less contact between people since there wasn't as densely populated as King County was. Oh, yeah. Like there's like the density population and the rural the rural versus urban areas of the state is my guess. Yeah. I mean, there's there are so many factors in determining yes. like the infection rate in cases. True. That's like a gross generalization, but yeah. yeah. And also, I didn't even consider it. So 
my Amnesty International meeting this week was on homelessness in Seattle. And I didn't include this as part of my presentation, but it's something I looked into was COVID and the homeless population. That's something mm. you don't even think about, right? Yeah. It's, it's easy to just kind of let it slip your mind. Yeah. And it's really sad. Same thing with prisons, as you mentioned before. They can't be doing great right now. That That's a whole thing in itself. So for the homeless population, I think that the issues are like homeless shelters. I, I couldn't see social distancing and things being super great there. And then there's like, if you get infected and you become really sick, the healthcare for someone who doesn't have the money to pay for it, that could be difficult too. Right. And the U.S. has not had an incredible history with taking care of and advocating. Um, Absolutely. Oh yeah. So then for, for prisoners, gosh, when I first heard that COVID rates were high in prisons, I was like, well, how? They're isolated. <laughs> they're, they're like quarantined from the rest of the world. No, because you have the guards who come in, you have new prisoners, visitors, workers, and everyone is living together in close quarters. It's so compact. I mean, yes, I'm basing this knowledge on like orange, the new black, but yes, <laughs> the living quarters are so close together. It's like... A, a little COVID petri dish where yeah. it just all rubs around. And like, you, how do you even stop that? How how do you know how to distribute the resources? Does everyone get their own cell? And then there's no room. Would they have to build a separate facility? Uh, do you just start releasing people? Uh, no, no, actually, I heard that places where it's really high. I need to look this up. I'm going to look this up really quick. More, more than 2,000 New Jersey inmates released to slow the spread of coronavirus in prisons. So they actually wow. did release prisoners to slow the spread of COVID. That's just got to show you how desperate they are. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it was like misdemeanors. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Wait. Okay. Um, <laughs> under the bill that, that allowed this to happen, prisoners in New Jersey can get their sentences reduced by as many as eight months for every month spent behind bars during the pandemic. People serving time for murder or sexual assault, sex offenders, and, and inmates in federal prisons and county jails are not eligible. So everyone else is right. eligible. Whoa. That's insane, though. Wait, so one month for every eight months? Yeah, as many as eight months for every one month spent behind bars during the pandemic. That is insane. Holy wow. And like, if you had, like, a three-year sentence, you just spend... It's insanity. And then, of course, my brain, my, my privileged brain is like, oh they're so lucky getting that free pass out of prison but then it's like this war terrifying it is a war zone and at first when I was thinking about like oh prisoners getting the vaccine at the same time as as senior homes it's like what but if these people these some of them are probably dangerous criminals who should be serving certain sentences well it depends on how you view it depends on the crime depends on the situation but by vaccinating these prisoners you're making sure that the that their sentences are staying in check and, and new bills aren't needing to be proposed and things don't get messier. So it's also, it's a way of like controlling it, not necessarily a way of like, plus you can't be like, oh, they're so privileged to get to not have COVID before, before <laughs> us because it's like, they're still in jail. Yeah. Right? I would rather not get the vaccine for a few months than be in jail. <laughs> you know? But also we aren't, immunocompromised that's true we're all thinking about immunocompromised people in jail that must be especially stressful i wonder how 
What's the average population? What's the average age of people in prison? The the median age in 2013 was 36. Then like what? A quarter? A quarter of the prisons is like I'm not good at math. This this one's you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know the standard deviation. You know, so <laughs> I couldn't properly calculate. <laughs> anyway, wow that that would be an experience. Imagine getting charged for a non-violent crime they got you like three months in prison but then you were serving during the pandemic when it was like a war zone that would be wicked that'd be crazy and and horrible i mean i'd feel like that was unfair i'd be mad <laughs> yeah. like, of all the times god <laughs> yeah yeah so i want to talk a little bit about how we think the vaccine will enter our lives and we are of an age and health status that means that we probably, it would be a while for us. But when it, it is available in the US, which is, I think it's like as early as like December 15th and then as late as early January, which is very soon. What do you predict the reaction will be? Do you think it will be way more chill than we think it's gonna be? If I'm being honest, I think especially with our age group, just like young teens, we, yeah, our age group, I don't think is going to care about it very much. I think people have spent, we're exhausted about hearing about coronavirus. We're exhausted about getting that information. It's just like, like this slow drip for a year, basically. Yeah. I, I think people will be more casual about the vaccine than we think they will. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, here, do. Here I we honestly are. don't think it's going to be huge. I'm numb. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think we're talking about these hypotheticals, like this crowd versus this crowd, who gets it first? But I mean, in reality, for all we know, it could be just, just this vaccine comes out and people are like, oh, I can't get it for now, but we'll get it a little bit later. It could be that. Like there's already anti-vaxxers in the world. This wouldn't be that strange. And if it's not <laughs> mandatory for everyone. Oh yeah. Like if you have to actively like go and search out the vaccine, do you, I wonder how many people you know are just gonna be like, nah, I'll pass. I'm scared of shots. Does it work if not everyone gets it? Like if you get the vaccine and no one around you does, does it still protect you? Yeah, it protects me, but I guess it's gotta do with herd immunity, right? Am I being crazy when I say immunocompromised people have trouble getting vaccines because it's more dangerous for them? Like, I, I heard understand. when people originally got the vaccine that it felt like they had, like, a cold for, like, a day, and then they are better again. Uh-huh. Like, it's not great, and I think immunocompromised people can't always get the vaccine, so they have to rely on herd immunity and everyone else getting the vaccine so that they oh. can be protected, right? Oh, so you're saying, like, vaccines can often make you sick and some people can't handle it because of their immune systems yeah or like some people just can't get vaccines so they have to rely on everyone else or like i guess this doesn't really apply because covid doesn't really affect like infants but like a chicken pox you got to get herd immunity so that young kids and old people don't get it and die i am wondering if that's the case for covid again something that i can't speak of i i hope that not like some coronavirus expert scientist is listening to this being like wow they're so off shaking their heads like oh oh wow oh wow no none of those words mean anything stop talking <laughs> but i'm enjoying i'm enjoying discussing it because i think Me it's too. so interesting what a weird time to be alive plus a vaccine being in like the uk takes 10 11 months 
to get a vaccine approved and distributed that is that is like groundbreaking that has never happened is that that's super fast that's insanely fast and the way that these these clinical trials are being passed and rushed so fast something else interesting that i learned um that the dry ice industry is booming right now really oh that to transport the the vaccines at really really low temperatures wow and i guess there's not a huge market for dry ice otherwise i assume i mean halloween parties (laughs) picture this Two years ago, you tell someone that you own a company and they're like, oh, what is it? And you're like, Dry Ice Incorporated. And they're like, (laughs) you're lame. Now it's like those people are just. You're popular. You're cool. You're thriving. Oh my gosh. Just so much money. They, they, my parents were saying like, they, they cannot make enough. They have, there's so much demand for Dry Ice right now. That's, that's kind of pretty crazy. It's like puzzles. Um, oh. or, like Kate's Kate's dad, who works for a puzzle company, they could not make enough puzzles because it it's was so crazy funny. that you can say in a sense that yeah, my friend's dad works for a puzzle company. That's, <laughs> that's so weird. That's weird, right? That's it's, a weird job to have. See, it's niche. It's like working for a dry ice company. These, I think, it's interesting. You never know at what time what thing is going to be really needed and popular, and mm. what what will boom. Oh, my grandma was actually really disappointed recently because the company that she invested in, like for a while ago, she invested a lot of money and they patented the vaccine for the COVID virus. And she was like, my stock, my stock is going going to go through the roof. I will be a billionaire. This is so exciting. And it just didn't, it like didn't go up that much. I don't know the specifics, but like how it was dispersed throughout the company or like what government bonds they were given or whatever their stock just didn't go up that much and she's just she's been like all grumpy about it (laughs) like I could have been rich this is my chance this is I mean stocks are weird they are very weird and I don't understand it I can't I'm not going to pretend I'm going to understand them I don't ever plan on understanding stocks that's okay if I ever buy stocks or invest and I say that I own stocks don't question me because I will not know how to explain what a stock is. The stock market, where is it? Where is the stock market? I mean, I assume Wall Street. I assume you <laughs> just have piles of paper and stocks <laughs> and shares that you can grab and take from each other. Two and phones at once. Two phones at once. <laughs> all day and night. Wolf of Wall Street. So much <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably can't put that in. Oh. I'll bleep the word Um. No, thank you. Oh, wow. Wait, how do we conclude? Okay. I think we got a little bit sidetracked, but how interesting is it to talk about the vaccine and the future and how weird the United States is right now? Yeah. The United States has some big moral questions that we need to answer going forward and how we're going to deal with this. And let's just hope they do the right thing. And you know what, Kelly? I vote in like six months or seven months or however long until we would have stuff to say about how it went. We can talk again about the vaccine. Yes, what if we did yes. like a reaction video where we like recorded ourselves reacting to what we said and we were just like so far off? You know, e- even if we are that far off, we tried. We gave it our best shot. Like We know that we're not experts. We just enjoy discussing difficult topics. I think that that's all we have. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you for having me, Eden. It's been a pleasure as always. And that brings us to the end. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Saturday. 
And thank you for listening to my show, Garden of Eden, on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge, which you can listen to every Saturday at 10 a.m. Bye!